Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 11. Bum, 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 bum. Victory on Mandalore. With the capture of former Sith Lord Maul, Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan meet to discuss a possible sequel series starring themselves. If only we were so lucky. Ahsoka leaves Mandalore with Rex, dragging Maul towards his fate on Coruscant. Rex and Ahsoka console each other as the Venator... Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, Queen of Queries, Lady of Literature, Defender of Droids. And I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, Lady of Loggers, Gryffindor Prefect, and Rebel Scum Collaborator. With the quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn these ranks that we carry. And though we all know things are getting darker and more serious, as a friendly reminder, we will be discussing spoilers and using some adult content-y language. So if you haven't watched episode 11 yet, or if the idea of Palpy accidentally activating Order 66 when he meant to sext Execute 69 makes you giggle, then you've come to the right place and you know it's time for us to punch it, Colleen. all right listeners to get us a little bit of levity here at the beginning let's hop into our millennium fandom for our episode recap uh wow just wow tough tough Mm. times great watch yeah great watch that opening blade runner kind of-esque music really really succeeds in drawing you into the episode like we can tell it's just not going to be a fun ride this time And you know what that means. We know what that means. As the Lucasfilm Limited and Red Clone Wars logos fade to black, like, oh god, just freaking chills. What moral could Filoni and company even put here? Like, congrats, Jedi, you fucking failed. I guess that's the moral (laughs) of this episode. Huh. Something just kind of, like, flipped in my brain or something, because Colleen... The time has come! Our glorious leader, Palpatine, can finally drop the Chancellor title and go all-out Emperor right now. Welcome to the end of the treasonous Jedi Order and to the rise of our glorious Empire! It's that day, Empire Day, the day when Ezra Bridger is born and two days before Luke and Leia are born. At least Padme maybe held on a little bit, so... Congratulations, Empire Palpatine, all rise! Sarah, snap out of it! <laughs> I think a chip or something got activated. I'm, I'm so sorry there. I, you lost me there for a second. Phew, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> thanks. All right, folks. Well, as Sarah returns to us, thanks to some very speedy brain surgery right here on air that our trusty droid DLDO helped us perform, She can share with us my horror for this little fact that I got coming at you. When I looked up Empire Day on Wikipedia, the day that 
popped off the moment Pelpy issued that infamous Order 66, I found out that it is derived from a British holiday. Wow. About, of course, imperialism and yay, let's go imperialism. And it formerly fell on May 20th. There you go. Which just so happens to be my birthday. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. So, Ezra Bridger and I apparently share a birthday, and he is a fellow Taurus. And Luke and Leia are, wait for it, Geminis. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Everything is falling into place. And if only the Star Wars universe used our calendar, or if we could <laughs> take a trip into the Forbidden Forest to Axe Forenzi to look into the stars for us. But alas, instead, let's jump into that sweet, sweet action. And where this episode gets us is a scene-setting shot of Mandalore burning. And can you really call it the Peace Park after it's been destroyed like three freaking times? Mm. And Gar Saxon is led away and in-universe characters are not yet able to appreciate that he will one day rise to become Hand of the Emperor, Imperial Viceroy of Mandalore, leader of the Super Commandos, and frankly all-around dickhead. That's right. Ahsoka and a company arrive with Maul, and despite a victory, the future of Mandalore remains uncertain, highlighted by leader Bo-Katan's confession of only knowing war and being skeptical of her sister's idealized version of Mandalore as peaceful. Mm. And then we get Such Rex. A shame. I know, I feel so bad. Just everything on Mandalore that's gonna happen after this is not great, guys. Rex grabs Ahsoka for that, like, quick little cheeky Jedi Council Zoom chat, but we learn she just missed Anakin. Although Rex got to talk to him, apparently. And with that, cue seat change. And what a fun doozy to see a scene from Revenge of the Sis in animation like this. I I was really tickled by it and super excited Mm -hmm. to see it play out like that. Me too, but... To a dark place, this line of thought will carry us. Mm. Before Ahsoka and Rex arrive at the meeting, Mace Windu, of course, tells all those who are gathered that he senses a plot to destroy the Jedi. Oh my. He suggests that the Jedi will have to take control of the Senate to ensure a peaceful transition from Palpy. So, um... Palpy was actually right when he said the Jedi would have to oust him and take over. Mm, Yoda finally making some freaking sense. He doesn't seem too excited about this whole coup idea. Like, he's not saying no per se, but his face is like, Mace has gone too far, y'all. Not pleased. <laughs> and even no. though doors slide open to let Ahsoka into the meeting, it is clear that some hidden doors remain firmly closed. She lets those in the meeting know that she captured Maul, not as a Jedi, but as a private citizen. Frustratingly, Mace refuses to clue Ahsoka into what he means about this longevity of the war, depending on the Chancellor. And though Yoda stays to see if Ahsoka had a message for Skywalker, she notably doesn't tell the Council or Yoda moments later in private about Maul's warning, which Rex noticed but doesn't mention until after the Zoom call ends. Mm -hmm. Cue another scene change, and we see Bo-Katan and Ursa Wren deliver a Mandalorian vault gift wrap mall, (laughs) whom Ahsoka and Rex take with them as they leave Mandalore, hopefully to deliver it to Colleen for her birthday. Yes, please. In 
the meantime, the episode becomes pensive, a moment of tranquil peace where Rex and Ahsoka discuss their mixed feelings about war. And a call comes for them, but Ahsoka tells Rex to take it alone, saying, quote, I'm sure it's more good news. <laughs> Cue Yikes. the narrator. It's not. As Ahsoka takes in the beautiful blue of hyperspace outside the ship, we phase to Maul's red ray-shielded cell. And we love, love, love. Loved it. How the red crackling visuals mirror the movie. Like, yes, so great. This signals us that it's time. It's time for blue to fade into red. The Jedi will die and the Sith will rise. And Maul looks fucking terrified. And what's super cool is both he and Ahsoka appear to maybe overhear the confrontation between Mace, Anakin, and Palpatine from Revenge of the Sith. And the title, frankly, is pretty darn prophetic. Ahsoka, visibly affected by what she is perceiving, rushes to find Rex, who is busy in the worst kind of way. Yep, we overhear Darth Sidious via hologram, command to Rex, oh yes, execute Order 66. Rex's eyes dilate an actual, like, physical indicator that something really horrible is happening to him with his body. Like, it's not just something that's you could maybe fight really super easily. This is something that's affecting his whole body. Like, was there ever really a chance that a clone could fight the Order? Rex is giving it his best shot. Like, he is shaking when he first hears Ahsoka's voice and he drops his helmet. And he actually orders the troopers to stand down from shooting her at first. He says that he's going to be the one to shoot her. But we can see that struggle happening in his mind. And tears. If you look Mm. really closely, you can see tears in Rex's eyes. He draws on her but doesn't fire immediately. Instead, giving her that mysterious advice, find him. Fives, find him. Mm -hmm. Our poor little Ahsoka, she's just shocked by what's happening to Rex and the other clones. But that Jedi training kicks in and she springs really quickly into action. And I don't know about you, Colleen, but I could not help but admire her physical strength Mm -hmm. and prowess as I sat on the couch Mm -hmm. in my PJs eating pad thai. (laughs) But I digress to break up the, frankly, firepower tension Mm -hmm. of this really palpable Star Wars moment. Yes, it's incredible. She deflects the clone's blaster fire up into the ceiling, forming her escape route. And after they notice that she has escaped, Rex chillingly tells his brothers to hunt her down and also go execute Maul, just you know, just in case. Yeah, just two very easy Instacart orders, right? Yeah, just super fine. He also reminds them, and this was new to a lot of us Star Wars viewers, quote, any soldier who doesn't comply with the order will be executed for treason. Oof. And mm. scene change. Hmm. Nom, 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 nom. To a very, very, mm, we're back to our very, like, very nervous looking danger snack as his clone guards open that containment pod and prepare to kill him, but don't count our girl out. Ahsoka swoops in and saves Maul. <laughs> Wild to see Ahsoka sharing her most pressing and insanely, like, serious concerns with mm-hmm. Maul. And together mm-hmm. they strategize and communicate in a manner that the Jedi Council, frankly, arguably failed to do mere moments prior. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka frees Maul, making it clear she's still not interested in a long-term <laughs> relationship, saying, quote, 
I'm not here to team up with you. Go cause some chaos. It's what you're good at. And what Ahsoka isn't good at, and for good reason, is sharing one of her lightsabers with Maul. Nope, that's a negative Ghost Rider. I, I I love when she says, I'm not rooting for you, because I am. Yeah, me too, me too. I... I confess, I, I almost thought for like a hot second, wait, that is they would this? team up. Yeah, I was like, wait, is this is this mm-hmm. about to happen? I think a lot of things would be different if they had. Yep. But we're going to talk about that later. In this case, he makes this like really like mm, face, like mm, fine, you don't like me. I'm just going to go and play with my own ball over in that corner over there. He storms off just in this huff to cause absolute mayhem. Yep. Like I could not believe how terrifying he was in that corridor scene yes yes and we'll talk about that scene for like a hot second later but as maul wrecks stuff ahsoka awakens three droids asking for their help and you know there's a holocron waiting for us to talk about them R7 shows Ahsoka the footage from season six, the fives arc pointing out the very Mm -hmm. obvious at least there inhibitor chip And we learn that Rex actually made a formal complaint. Mm -hmm. The droids enthusiastically join Ahsoka's mission and help her separate Rex from the other clones. Precious AF. They rush the unconscious commander to the medical bay, hoping to take out the pesky chip. See what happens when you get fast healthcare? (laughs) And as a very speedy brain surgery takes place, the other clones find them. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka keeps them at bay for a while, but is almost taken out. Rex awakens, saves her, shoots his brothers, and tells her that, quote, the entire Grand Army of the Republic has been ordered to hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. <laughs> Woo! If she wasn't on the run before, she yeah. sure is now. What a freaking way to end an episode. <laughs> We're, it, the next episode's going to be super happy, guys. We I haven't. I still, <laughs> folks. I still haven't seen it. She if there are like not. bingers on this, I have not seen it. It is May twenty second, twenty twenty, and your Padawan has yet to indulge. <laughs> Our next episode's going to be good. <laughs> but what is what is that delicious theme, Colleen, that uh, wraps up this episode for us? Yes. Yes, I actually struggled a little bit with the theme today. I wanted it to kind of be betrayal, but then I felt bad for the clones because it's not really their fault that what's happening. So instead, I rewatched the episode focused on details, and our theme today is going to be doors, particularly of the sliding variety. Yes, definitely not the band. Mm -hmm. Do you mean like the Gwyneth Paltrow movie doors then? Oh yeah, gotta get the sliding doors (laughs) effect from Gwyneth. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's that entire, like, what if yeah. concept that is just all over this episode. Like, what if Mace Windu wasn't an absolute asshole and had let Ahsoka into the council conversation? What if Yoda had stood up for her instead of just sitting there and then only asking the freaking important question after Mace had shot her down? Yep. But also, can't let our girl off the hook too much. What if Ahsoka had told the council about Maul's warning? Yep. Like, even Rex was surprised that Ahsoka didn't tell them that detail. And then, too, why didn't Rex speak up and say, like, Ahsoka, wasn't there one more thing you had to tell them? 
Exactly. Nobody does. And what if Ahsoka had the chance to talk to Anakin in that meeting or immediately after before yet again that like Mm -hmm. key pivotal moment? Would that have drastically changed the outcome from Revenge of the Sith? Well, it might not have. We like to really contemplate these questions, you know, Mm -hmm. whisper, especially with retcons going on. Mm -hmm. And any of these moments, frankly, could have been a turning point. But they had already established that no one trusts one another in these relationships. Frankly, Mm -hmm. besides Ahsoka and Rex. Yep. That's the only one we got, guys. I mean, and of course, there's the other one that we were just talking about a little bit before. What if Ahsoka had decided to team up with Maul instead of sending him out there like a rogue wrecking ball through the ship? Like, she has to know that he's not just going to knock out the clones and, like, kindly set their little unconscious bodies aside. Like, Yeah, excuse me, coming through, pardon. Is she hoping that the clones will take him out? Like, I hope not. If she does, then her sense of his abilities and his survival mode mechanisms are really mistaken. Like this makes me think, and you of course too, like he wasn't really giving like everything in his duel with her right. then. I mean, she wasn't either because she was still trying to capture him, not kill him. But like she just apparently doesn't have the full grasp of his abilities. Yep. Which is alarming. Otherwise we think the clones, like would they have stood a chance against him? Probably not. (laughs) And either way, I'm really interested to see how that plays out as someone who hasn't seen episode 12, but has seen Rebels. So it's this kind of Star Wars Schrodinger's cat thing for me without us spoiling 12. Yeah, no spoilers for episode 12. (laughs) No. Um, um, getting back to our theme. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, closing that door, sliding that that door. door. We'll get to that door in a moment. We noticed how actual doors played into this episode, either from opening or closing, blocking something or standing wide open. Like Maul, he is shut behind that very fancy, ornate door in the force cocoon. And he's also behind a ray shield which forms that kind of transparent door. He's just looking like an animal in a zoo at this point. Yeah, very tiny zoo. Yeah, so, like, oh, poor buddy. Like, not really, but also poor buddy. But, yeah. (laughs) The droids in Ahsoka are relying on locking down those blast doors to trap Rex and separate him from his brothers. And then they also try and seal the medbay door against them. Like, for me, this is huge. Like, symbology for me as an author and an English major is so big. Like, doors represent a lot of different things. They can represent mystery. They can either allow forward momentum or prevent it. They can protect or impede. Like, a closed door can mean both a new path that could be good or a new path that could be very dangerous. And you don't know until you open it. I love that just kind of mystery aspect to this episode. Absolutely. But what we do know is that Mace slammed the door closed Mm. on Ahsoka at that council meeting, Mm. while Yoda seemed to be desperately failing, but trying to hold it open. Mm. He asked her if she was thinking of returning to the Jedi and called her a Padawan in Mm. his last farewell. Sometimes Yoda gets things right. And I know Colleen and I have like, I always get nervous when I like call Yoda out. (laughs) Yes. 
And so can we really blame Ahsoka for shutting Maul's fingers <laughs> in the door of their potential team up? You know, there's a lot of sliding happening. I mean, yes, yes, we can. But also, I understand why she's doing that. He hasn't exactly shown himself to be the most upright citizen. But the main thing we need to focus on is that the door, the big door, the main door, has closed on the Democratic Republic. Yep. And has opened onto that promising new empire. What could go wrong? All hail! (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry, my chip, my chip. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was going to say, didn't we do that surgery just a minute ago? (laughs) Closing the door on our theme, shall we see what's shining so brightly behind the next one? Ooh, heck yes. Those are our glowing, beautiful seven holocrons, a.k.a. our repositories of knowledge. And so for the first one, kind of like episode, where the F are we and what is the date? Colleen, are we still on Mandalore? Yes, but only for a little bit. Then we head to the sky in the Venator spaceship. But like, nothing changes, right? I mean, I guess we're in space, heading towards Coruscant. Okay, fine, but, like, has some time passed at least? Um... Uh, No, okay, okay, so pretty much straight right after the last episode, right? (laughs) Yep, yep, that's correct. It's right after the last episode. But good news, Bo-Katan somehow found Ahsoka's lightsabers in all that rubble. So that's good. Yeah. Got that going for us. (laughs) So let's move straight on to that second holocron to look at who is here. And we're going to keep it really focused here. Ahsoka, duh, is our main sweet, sweet hero this episode. As she says to Rex, Jedi, quote, were trained to be keepers of the peace. They were meant to keep the galaxy safe, and that's what she wants to do, Jedi title or not. She just isn't frankly sure how she's going to move forward in that role. And preach, girl. We hear you. Right? Yeah, career change. It's time. Like, and also her heart-to-heart with Rex on the bridge was just so lovely. Their relationship has been one of the cornerstones of the series since they first met in the Clone Wars movie. Like, I love that moment. And Rex wants to be a hero too, but he's not sure about the war anymore. He says about being a soldier, quote, I've known no other way, which is really sad considering how short his life actually is. And how about those villains, Colleen? Because I know that's mm. your little favorite. Mm. Mm. Well, unfortunately, the roles kind of blur and shift once Order 66 hits. Our once very heroic clones morph into these killing machines. They're searching the ship for Ahsoka like hunters flushing out prey. But they're under a form of mind control and conditioning also. So are they really the villains? Right. Like, I don't know if we can call them villains per se, They're a tool at this point, basically. And then that old adage, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, pops up when Ahsoka sends Maul into the fray. I mean, he's not even the true villain of this episode Uh -uh. either, even though he does some terrible shit. The true villain of this episode is the big bad of Mm -hmm. the entire damn story. Like, we see him for just a moment, that, like, kind of split second in the hollow with that chilling order to Rex. And hearing Rex call him Lord Sidious broke our hearts. Like, I I rewatched Revenge of the Sith, of course, after watching episode 12. And I noticed that Cody also calls Sidious my lord. My lord. So their brainwashing is complete. 
Palpatine solidifies his place in that pantheon of absolutely monstrous villains with this. And since I frankly kind of lost my appetite for the second holocron, let's move forward to that third holocron to look at cool culture. Mm, yes. So Rex and the clones may have mixed feelings about the war, because without it, they wouldn't exist. So we wanted to take a closer look at our favorite little army boys. We're heading to Camino to check out those crafty cloners and their clone creations. And I'm going to try some Camino diction. So <laughs> like if I fail miserably, I hope it was just a fun exercise. Ahem. The planet Camino is located in an extra galactic star system, meaning it is just outside the larger galaxy. I now gesture broadly and grandly to my insane bay windows so you can soak in our majesticness. End gesture. An aquatic planet, the cloning facility and other cities are located above the water. Often stormy, this makes travel across planets arduous, though great for individuals who hate sand and prefer something danker. And a fun fact, an early name for Darth Vader was actually Dark Water. The Caminos, like me, were tall, elegant people who mostly kept to themselves. They were famous for cloning and obviously are very expensive to enlist. So, with that, let's talk about whether or not the Caminos even realized for whom and why they were creating the clone army. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> and so while they knew how to clone stuff, mm -hmm. they certainly weren't big on getting all those fussy, important details. They're too busy being high society. Like when Obi-Wan wanders in out of the rain and they just pretty much pass him the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. AKA the Caminos thought that they were creating an army for the Jedi and the Republic not, and this is the key here, not that they were creating an army for Palpy, Sith, or otherwise, mm -hmm. and certainly not an army to destroy the Jedi. Right? I mean, one guy in robes looks just as good as another guy in robes. Saifadiyas may have initially commissioned the army from the Kaminoans around the time of the Phantom Menace, but once he was killed, Count Dooku took over the operation. So secretly under Sith control, the army was anything but for the Republic. So by the time mm -hmm. of Attack of the Clones and the Battle of Geonosis, there were thousands of clones, and there were millions more on the way. And Colleen, I know personally, well, not personally, right? Palpy executed an Order 66 and then an Order 69, but what <laughs> is it that I hear about this, like, Order 65? Mm, yep. That was kind of like Palpy's little safety net to be like, oh, there can't be anything untoward happening here. They also have an order to capture, kill, set to stun me if I happen to go rogue. Like, see, I couldn't yeah. possibly be evil because why would this be in the clones' brains also? So we're sitting here going like, why didn't he execute Order 65? <laughs> Yeah, so pretty much in essence, this guy is incredibly smart to kind of say, couldn't have been me because mm -hmm. here's this too. I don't want to die either. And mm -hmm. the clone template 
was a bounty hunter Django to kind of switch subjects now that we understand Order 66. And Django Fett was chosen specifically by Dooku. So all of the clones <laughs> speak with this New Zealand accent, which is really fun. <laughs> While most of them are identical, the clones started to exhibit individualized tendencies, which I love. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a lot in the Bad Batch episodes, so we won't belabor the point here except to say if you're a new listener, head back mm-hmm. over to some uh, of our earlier episodes. And mm-hmm. you'll notice in this episode and in others that the clones are pretty much everywhere in the military structure. Mm-hmm. They're not just the infantry or pilots, they are the series' main focus. They are specialized units like the art troopers and commandos, as well as workers in the cloning facility and the men who crew the starships. Mm -hmm. You'll note that in this episode, the crew uniforms are even closer to the Imperial Navy uniforms seen in the original trilogy. Mm. How did you feel about uh, Mm. Ahsoka being saluted, eh? Uh, Yeah, that was not great. Like watching these guys in those stupid little hats salute ahsoka in those uniforms was so unsettling like no thanks and (laughs) the inhibitor chips that some hoped and in the real world were saying some hoped might malfunction in some of ahsoka's troops nope not at all not even rex could fight once the urge fully set in even though he tried so flipping hard If even Rex couldn't fight his programming, we doubt any of the others could. Of all of them, he had by far the closest ties to his Jedi, Anakin and Ahsoka. It's hard to believe that any of the other clones could, but we'll go over (laughs) that little detail in Critic's Corner. And speaking of important items that only exist to control and enslave, oh hey, What's in that box for our next holocron cool (laughs) item? Well, I know what's in that box, and it's the danger snack, but gotta go into it a little more in depth here. I thought about putting this in homages and Easter eggs, but there's actually a lot to go over with this little thing. It is called the Mandalorian Vault, sometimes called the Mandalorian Sarcophagus, which basically just means real fancy coffin. That sounds super festive. This nifty little doodad is left over from those Mandalore Jedi conflicts and was used to imprison Force-sensitive people. And it does seem to be working on Maul. Yeah. He looks like a freaking trussed-up Hannibal Lecter here. Like They are pulling out all the stops to keep him in this box and incapacitated. The inside features those kind of restraints, including a gag. Yeah, just <laughs> So that Maul little... can't do the one thing he really loves to do, this talk. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, oh my <laughs> god, maybe he was just like, all right, if I gotta be gagged. And then, like, now forward, <laughs> moving on, he's just like, all right, if it's gotta be silent, I'll be silent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be like, you gagged me. You don't get any more of my voice. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> the inside of this thing is really cool, though, too. Like, it has mm-hmm. that, like, mass of glowing red circuitry. Mimicking that ray shield color, that really bright red. Yeah. The outside of the sarcophagus is decorated with Mandalorian legends, particularly yep. what appears to be a figure wielding the dark saber. Uh-huh. And if Maul saw the outside of this before he was put in there, it must really rub him raw, since he was recently the master of dark saber. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love that part. Like he's just got to be sitting in there going, "God damn it!" This figure on the box is most likely Tara Vizsla. 
And this was the Mandalorian Jedi who forged the Darksaber. There's another figure on here. We're not quite sure who it is, but it's theorized it could be Darth Bane, who is another fabled character in Star Wars history. With excellent books. I haven't read most of the books. I have checked out Darth Bane's books. Phenomenal. Excellent. They're on my list. My ever-growing list. Oh, who? Hey, look at that, folks. For once, I got got a slight little leg up. I guess it'll maybe last five days. And... And I'll say, Colleen, one of the things I really loved about our cool item is how that metal shone. It was only Mm -hmm. for like a second or two, Mm -hmm. but I loved that extra detail depending on where the light was casting onto it. You could really tell that Mm -hmm. the artistic team wanted to, pun intended, make this cool (laughs) item shine and the like red choice here. I really liked when you and I were talking about it. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned that I guess it's usually whitish blue. So could you explain yeah, that a little bit shields. further? Yeah. Okay. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Clone Wars, for the most part, any ray shields we see are kind of like this either bluish tint or red. They're not red, sorry. They're either this bluish tint or white. They look kind of smoky. But this brings us back to the Phantom Menace Yeah. when the Duel of the Fates goes down. And you get those red ray shields that kind of go in between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Maul when they're fighting. So yeah. it's kind of a nice, another nice way to bring Phantom Menace prequel movies back into the Clone Wars. Especially Dare we say slide a door open to another <laughs> reference and connection? <laughs> <laughs> so many doors in this episode, guys. For real, though. For real. Another really cool thing. These caskets are supposedly banned by Duchess Satine, who was Bo-Katan's sister. Hmm. But Bo doesn't seem super opposed to them. She says to Ahsoka, quote, We Mandalorians had reason to imprison you force-wielding maniacs. And fair, but also (laughs) yikes. Yeah, fair, but tough looks around. Just like, and Ahsoka's just sitting there like, sorry, (laughs) sorry, Bo. If I was Ahsoka, I'd be a little bit nervous. I'd be like, so where are the other ones? Like, you say you have one, but Mm -hmm. when there's one, there's many. That's all I'm going to say as I back away slow. (laughs) Bo's like, this is the last one, wink, wink, which makes us think that it is most definitely not. (laughs) Yeah. But she's not about to tell a force wielder this, right? Like, no no way. Definitely not. So let's just call this Chekhov's Mandalorian faults. And maybe we'll see them sooner rather than later. Although yeah. they might only show up if they start to delve into the older Jedi mm. stories. But I'm kind of hoping it shows up maybe on like the Mandalorian. Yeah. And so while we kind of wait for that little homage and Easter egg to crop up, hopefully in future Star Wars content, let's look at moving to our fifth holocron homages and Easter eggs Much like Jon Snow for Holocron Mm. 5, Bo-Katan wishes she, quote, was good at something other than war, which Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. felt felt the feelings for that one. Mm -hmm. And let's dig into that fifth Holocron. Heck yes. All right. So the first one, we actually get to hear Mace Windu's death, which, sorry, Mace, we really... 
we don't stand for you really in this pod, so we're sorry. And you know what? Here, this is what I'll say, because if there are Mace listeners here, like, I still need to look at Mace again, and I know that there are some people who stand Mace hard. So, like, again, if you're a Mace stan, give us the reason why. Shoot us an email. Like, tell us why. Come, come on, give us the deets, you know? But I mean, in- if it's because it's Samuel L. Jackson, I get it. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because Samuel is great. He's phenomenal. I yep. can understand why people would think he was cool. And he's got the purple lightsaber. So he is cool. Yeah. He's just made some real questionable decisions in the Clone Wars that we frankly cannot stand by. <laughs> uh, unequivocally. Unequivocally. But what I loved, Brendan had asked, oh, wait, who's, whose voices are we mm-hmm. hearing? And, oh, I yep. love Star Wars creators when they hit it out of the park. Yep. This actually was in Ahsoka and Maul's minds. I don't know if they actually heard exactly what was going on, but the audience needs to know what they're sensing. This yep. was Sam L. Jackson. Yeah. It was Hayden Christensen until yeah. the very last line was Matt Lanter. When he said, gotcha. what have I done? That was Matt Lanter, but the other part was Hayden. And also our dearest palpy Ian McDiarmid in Woo-hoo. that little vocal clip. So we got all of our three boys in that scene, in here, take trying to take down Palpy, which they totally failed at. There actually were three other Jedi <laughs> that went with Mace. So there's four Jedi trying to take out Palpatine in this scene. It's Aegon Kalar, Sisi Teen, and Kit Fisto. And we got to know these guys a little bit better in Clone Wars, so rewatching Revenge of the Sith makes the deaths tougher to watch now, especially Kit Fisto. I love him in Clone Wars. Like him in the four the season four Moncala arc with his cute little swim shorts and his <laughs> just like banter. He's great. And we are totally gonna miss his admirable physique. Yeah. Like Kit looked good. He didn't fight so well against Palpatine, probably because he didn't really know what he was going against, apparently, but them's the shakes when you're trying to take out a Sith Lord. Mm. And speaking of shakes. For our second one, tell us a little bit more about um, your kind of connection between Maul and unleashing chaos Mm. like a witcher sorceress. Oh, yeah. He is going to unleash that chaos. Don't mind if he does. He just cascades down that hallway like a Terminator tidal wave. It was just so, I don't want to say fun to watch. Uh, it's more astonishing to watch because he is a freaking murder ball right here. Yeah. This really brought to mind Vader's force advance through the ship in Rogue One's conclusion, where he uses the kind of force ability to push the guy up into the ceiling. That kind of same imagery was used. Um, absolutely unsettling, kind of. Yeah. That scene, this one and the Rogue One scene, and another nice little Easter egg linking all to Vader. I think these deaths, these poor clones, might be the most violent deaths that we see in the show. But this is for kids. This is fine. He is decapitating some. He, like, flings the piece of the ship into the wall and pierces, bisects him, kind of like he was cut in half, against the wall. Yeah. Scary. A little bit scary. We get to see Maul's intellect and resourcefulness. He's, like, pulling parts of the ship wall to use his shields. Just holding them for very in front scrappy, of them. very scrappy, very just like intuitive of what his environment is. And then 
the really smart thing he does is pull that trooper's arm through the closing blast door so he can get their yeah. calm off of the uniform so he knows what's going on in the ship. Yeah, and look at that. While you spotted another closing door theme there, I actually was so proud of myself for spotting another 8108. That report Rex filed about fives was sealed, but Anakin's pin was the key so Ahsoka could watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, check your security codes, Annie, (laughs) or don't, you know? This is Hayden Christensen's birth year, 1981, and the year Clone Wars debuted in 2008. Super cool. Yay. It's so good. I love it. I love a little code thing there. Ooh, number four. This one is another really good one. Loved, love, love this part. I know we're going to have a chat about this one, too. (laughs) I thought it was one of the best moments of the episode. Like, Ahsoka is frantic to find the inhibitor chip in Rex's brain. It's not showing up on any of the scans. So... She very sweetly and very gently reaches out to Rex, takes his head in her hands, and begins chanting that Guardian's mantra from Rogue One, quote, I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. And she keeps yeah. chanting it until Rex joins her. And Which was sweet. it doesn't end until Rex is actually chanting alone. And then when he's just chanting alone, that's when the chip appears on the screens, revealed by connecting yeah. Rex to the Force. Like, yay! <laughs> Yay. So like like in Rogue One, fans will know that this chant is used by non-Force users who are no less devout in their religion. It's this kind of guardian of the wills situation going on here. I think we might talk yep. about it in the next episode a little bit more in depth. But okay. fans will remember Chirrut Imwe often invokes this mantra while he is displaying his like sick fighting skills. So wicked. While he's blind. He's just blind. Yeah, no, but I can't even do a pull up, <laughs> and I have, you and know what I mean. Sight, y'all. <laughs> yeah, not that you have to like again. Not that those two things are related, but again, Sarah, like let's move. <laughs> <laughs> let's just close our eyes and try to bow staff fight like Chirrut can. Like, damn, his trust in the Force manifests with that phrase that I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. And it was heartening to hear Ahsoka use it. One of our listeners and friend of the pod, Jason Z, pointed out this nice symmetry between the non-Jedi Chirrut using the phrase and Ahsoka using it on non-Jedi Rex to connect him to the Force. And and I really mm-hmm. liked that point. I know it emphasizes that anyone can tap into the Force. You just have to yeah. believe and you have to put your yeah. trust and faith in something. I think that shows nicely that Rex 2 is more open than any of a lot of yeah. the other clones would be in this situation. It was just so nice. Because I had a little bit of trouble with how I Am the Force, the Forces mm-hmm. with me played out in Rogue One. I felt like I was being intentionally emotionally manipulated. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I was supposed mm-hmm. to love it. And I hate <laughs> that I couldn't just like allow myself. I was just like, no, you're not going to have mm-hmm. this response. But here, and especially with Jason Z's explanation... It helped me appreciate it further, especially because since I still need to dig into some of the comics more and some of the other stories more, frankly, I don't have a good enough appreciation for the Guardians Mm -hmm. as a whole. So this all makes me at least feel much better about how that phrase was like 
created and used in Rogue One and may be carried forward moving on. So thank you, Jason Z. Yes, (laughs) I agree. I did agree with Sarah. I was like, oh yeah, that is extreme emotional manipulation. They are trying to get a response out of you. (laughs) It worked for me in Rogue One, but here it worked even more just because of Ahsoka and Rex's relationship here, for sure. All right, guys, the next one, number five, I might start to cry. So we're just (laughs) I'm going to try and power through it. Um, this is just one of the toughest things to watch this episode was Rex trying, struggling to fight Order 66 when he drops his helmet. I just was done. And then when he turned around and he was crying, it's like, nope, nope, mm, 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 gonna hold it in. She's, because this is an audio <laughs> medium, she's now fanning herself, folks, yep. and tears are actually welling Ooh. up, so. Yep, I'm gonna blink those away for just a hot second. Okay. <laughs> The use of these helmets to disguise the clones as a faceless army works so well, especially yeah. in Clone Wars and when you go back and look at Revenge of the Sith. And you're like, damn it, I like them now. Like, yes. the only reason we can even differentiate the clones at all in Clone Wars is if they change their appearance and decorate their armor. And seeing Rex's helmet shake in his hands then fall to the floor when he dropped it showed how much he was struggling. And just seeing the decoration on his helmet, like, just brings me all the way back to it. It reminded us of the way he did this way back in the Bad Batch arc when Rex took off his helmet mid-speech. When he was talking Mm -hmm. to Anakin, he was like trying to get his point across. And I don't think he thought he was getting it across. He wanted to look Anakin in the eye. Yeah, and, and I, I loved, because I, I can tell that you need a moment yes, to grab please. a tissue. I'll be all right. I, I loved <laughs> that it was almost uh, as if Rex was saying, like, let me take off my physical mask, Anakin, so I can show you clearly what ex- Colleen is experiencing, an emotional truth that I may be attempting to mask. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Inside, like, instead of that nameless mask and the robotic voice you get when they're wearing their helmets, we get to see Rex's emotions play across his face and in his voice. And the exact reverse happens in this episode scene. Rex replaces his helmet after giving the orders to pursue Ahsoka and execute Maul. And he turns from that trusted, faithful friend, loyal, loyal friend, into a faceless droid with a binary mission. Yeah. And that's that's one of the interesting things. Like neither neither you or I have kids, but sometimes with like our friends who have kids, it's really really fun to see how like the kids had only seen the clones as good guys mm-hmm. and would like run up to the clones at Disney and be like, "Oh, my buddy clones." And the parents are like, "Oh, those are stormtroopers." <laughs> <I> a fascist? <laughs> is this is Jenny a little fascist? Oh, and so God, they just love the clones. <laughs> As we giggle about that, I think that's a perfect way to dry our eyes and get into that Darth Plautius, that sixth holocron. Mm -hmm. So speaking of Rex's helmet, Colleen, do you want to take this point? Sure. I'll be fine, folks. Everything is fine. (laughs) Just wait until next episode. Speaking of Rex's helmet, which I shouldn't because apparently that's my trigger for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that shot where his helmet fades into the Mandalorian helmet on Maul's box yeah. was a super interesting choice. 
this is a little tinfoily, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Could this be signaling a connection between Rex and the Mandalorian TV show? Like, this season was made. This season of Clone Wars was made before season two of The Mandalorian. So who's to say until that October Uh release? Like, there's a lot of rumors going around about casting choices for season two of The Mandalorian. I don't want to go into it too much. And also a smidgen of a spoiler warning here or a leak warning. If you don't want to know the exact words that I'm going to say, just sign off for like the next 30 seconds. There are rumors that Tamora Morrison has been cast in the show, but so far only for Boba Fett. Interesting. But my little fingers are crossed, folks. Fingers are crossed that he could be playing a certain older ex-Republic soldier with that telltale helmet. Maybe. Hopefully. And while I don't necessarily know all about that yet, (laughs) we do know that what Rex is talking about Mm -hmm. when he name drops Fives. Mm -hmm. Back in season six, Fives discovered or uncovered as a friendly reminder to people who maybe have only been watching season seven because, hey, we get it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of content out there. Fives uncovered the inhibitor chip plot but was killed before he could tell anyone the details. Mm -hmm. In the recording, we see not only Fives, but also Clone Trooper Tup Mm -hmm. and Jedi General Tiplar, which I love that name, Mm -hmm. who Tup killed when his chip malfunctioned. Mm -hmm. Some people got the gist of what Fives was trying to uncover, Mm -hmm. Rex, Clone Medic Kicks, and Anakin among the few, but it was obviously ignored. Mm -hmm. Did, like, anyone even see his report Mm. it seems doubtful or you'd hope someone would have investigated it a little bit further yep just another closed door for our guys the clones if only someone had looked like even a little deeper into this incident how many lives could they have saved You know, I don't know, Colleen, Mm. but I anticipate that if we ask some droids to help us out, then maybe we could get out of this mess alive. What do you think? Is it time for us to move to our seventh holocron, our defender of droids? Right, you are. Darn right. I've got to let you take this one, too, because I know the droids are close to your heart. I'll introduce them for you, though. We've got our little courageous trio of the most adorable astromech droids ever. We have yes. R7, A7. We have RG, GI. And we have CH33P. Which I love because it's like cheap. Cheap. Which is great, right? Mm-hmm. And so this part, as Colleen said, was so magical as a defender of droids. Not only did Ahsoka go to her trusty droid for help, but she actually asks them if they want to help. Mm-hmm. Notably and importantly to us, she doesn't order them to, cautioning, quote, are you sure you want to help? It could be dangerous. Which to me, that's asking them to make a very conscious and conscientious choice mm-hmm. for their own destinies. Yep. This is a true friend of droids right here. And, like, forever my queen, though I think she would, like, respectfully decline the title before being an Amazon (laughs) queen elsewhere. She's worried about their safety because she learned and internalized the significance of their sentience. Mm -hmm. Bravo. Mm -hmm. And as a friendly reminder to some of you, 
R7 has been Ahsoka's droid throughout the entire series. Mm -hmm. He's been with her since season one. (laughs) It's no wonder he's still loyal to her here and she's loyal to him. Mm -hmm. And she's always treated him with respect and care. Yep. He's the one who scans Rex for the chip. And then he assists with the surgery to remove it. While we don't usually condone astromechs performing dangerous surgeries, this one was yeah. very necessary and needed to be done super quickly. But he even told Ahsoka that the surgery was going to be really difficult. So he's not only worried about Ahsoka, he's worried about Rex also. Yep. And not if Rex, though, <laughs> pulls a gun on her, right? Mm-hmm. I loved that R7 electrocutes Rex like classically as movies do just enough to get him to pass out and Gigi is an R4 astromech droid Mm -hmm. and this is his first appearance in Clone Wars but man did he come at it hard Mm -hmm. it's also uh, CH33P or Cheap's first appearance Mm -hmm. he is a C1 series astromech making him an older model and he probably was one of the only sea models left in the Republic forces, mm-hmm. much like his counterpart Chopper from Rebels. Boy, Watch Chop. Rebels. Cheap <laughs> is voiced by none other than Dave <laughs> Filoni, our king, who I am like after the new series on on Disney. I am fangirl smitten mm-hmm. 100% mm-hmm. Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Heck yes, my guy. Yep. And because we know that you know that we love this topic, we are going to review, frankly, who can understand droids mm. in the Master and Apprentice section. So let's move along to Critics Corner quickly so that once again we can talk about <laughs> droids and how they communicate. Mm-hmm. So to open our Critics Corner, Colleen, why don't you start us off with that quote that you chose for us? Yes, another tear-inducing one for all of us. Quote, Perhaps some good has come from all of it. The Republic couldn't have asked for better soldiers, nor I a better friend. (laughs) Oh, Ahsoka. Put on the brakes there, Ahsoka, because we know more than you do, and we don't have a great feeling about it. And speaking of not great feelings in the macro critics corner, Colleen, you've been really good about this. Where (laughs) will there be those retcons that people love to love or love to hate? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe from a certain point of view. (laughs) (laughs) This one was really hard for us to reconcile. And (laughs) not just because some fans have chips on their shoulders about the chips in the clones' heads. (laughs) Exactly. This one was really hard for me, especially because I love Rebels so much. In season two of Rebels, Rex tells Kanan that he and his two brothers didn't betray their Jedi, that they removed their chips, and that everyone has a choice. Yep. And mm, while we wouldn't really be spilling our deepest, darkest secrets to a very obviously angry Jedi we had never met before, this was just hard for us to think on. Like, was Rex lying here? Was he stretching the truth? Was he doing that classic Obi-Wan from a certain point of view? This is totally what happened. We had a couple of, like, little arguments and ideas on the subject. Yep. So what's the first one, Colleen? 
All right, so this one, of course, <laughs> got to come down to this one. Rex didn't technically, quote unquote, oh. betray <laughs> his, quote unquote, Jedi, oh. since Anakin was his direct superior and Ahsoka was merely a Padawan or an advisor in this particular instance. This is a tough sell because it relies on semantics. Which, like, totally as a former attorney, I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, I hate it. Oh, I get it. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> right? Thanks. No, we hated it. <laughs> just like, no, just bad. And the next one, like, yes, he does attempt to fight the Order. He does. Like, we haven't seen anybody else try yet. The other clones just drew their weapons super fast. He does that long enough to get Ahsoka the message about fives. But is that enough to say that he didn't betray her? He still tries to hunt her down, and he orders his men to do the same. Yep. Like, he still does that. Sorry, my guy, but you do that. I mean, the other two clones, he could be right about them that are with him in Rebels. Especially Gregor. Like, considering this poor guy, he's probably been wandering around with this brain injury from these explosions that he survived in Season 4 episode Missing in Action. Like, his chip might not have been viable after all of that explosion situation going on. He might not have been around any Jedi when it activated. I have another little tinfoil theory here. His chip did go off, but it was so damaged by the explosions. And there weren't any Jedi around when it went off. So it made him a little crazy. He's like a smidge off his rocker in Rebels. You can kind of tell that something is just not quite right with poor Gregor. But it's never discussed on the show, like why he's acting so strangely. And we think a malfunctioning chip could definitely have done this to him. And then what about Rex being correct about Clone Trooper Wolf Hmm. not, again, quote unquote, (laughs) technically betraying his Jedi? Can you refresh our recollections on that? (laughs) Yep, I like Wolf too. He's a great character throughout Clone Wars. He is the commander in the 104th Battalion under Master Plo Koon. Plo Koon was the one who found Ahsoka when she was little mm-hmm. and brought her to the Jedi Temple. Plo perished in Revenge of the Sith when his clone wingman shot him down in a starfighter. And we don't think it was Re- uh, pause. We don't think it was Wolf who carried out the order mm-hmm. because he's never shown really as a fighter pilot, so we don't think he was the one who shot him down. But according to writer Henry Gilroy, Wolf likely did carry out his orders and then remove the chip afterwards. And then this actually would be a cool idea. Like, this could bring this great dramatic starting point for the character during the Imperial Age, during Rebels. And it might Mm -hmm. explain his kind of cagey, guilty behavior and why he seemed so threatened by Kanan and Ezra. So, either way. This doesn't bode well for Rex's claim either that they didn't betray their Jedi. Like, come on. So instead, let's focus on what really (laughs) matters here, right? Yes, what really matters, I guess, is that Rex did not kill Ahsoka (laughs) in the end. I mean, she might have even advised him to tell people this lie. Like, if anyone came around to find him and asked about Order 66, she might have told him to say either, I followed my orders, I carried it out, she's dead. Or say, I didn't follow the orders, I fought it 
depending on who was asking him. Like, maybe if an Imperial yeah. had showed up, he would have said, oh, yeah, I totally, totally did it. Totally yeah. did it. But it's Kanan, so he says he didn't. I mean, he was supposed to be in hiding. He was supposed to have faked his death in the Ahsoka novel, which may be why in Rebels in the show, Wolf is the only one who speaks to anyone Imperial at first, until Rex kind of like goes... Hi. No, everything's fine here. It's fine. We're good. How are you? Nothing to see Nothing here. Nothing to see here. I mean, obviously Ahsoka doesn't bear him any ill will because she just leaps into his arms and hugs him in the Rebels episode. Like, it proves that she doesn't hold him responsible for what happened to him. Yep. And Ahsoka may have escaped execution and saved Rex for the moment, but we don't frankly think, sorry y'all, that she can win this episode. And so, frankly, why don't you take Best Best Car for in episode mm -hmm. and I'll take uh, Best Best Car for Outer yes. Rim? How does that yep. sound? Yep. All right. So for Best Best Car for Outer Rim... Kevin Kiner, come and get your Medal of Bravery, sir. Like, holy crap, the music of this episode was next level. Onto itself, it was a character, in my humble opinion. Bring on, like Colleen said, brain, brain runner. It was a brain runner for me. Blade Runner synth. There were long stretches with no dialogue at all, but the music was more than up to task for making up for its lack. Mm. That moody sense of foreboding that runs thematically throughout the episode is appropriately haunting. It heightens to attention to almost unbearable degree until Ahsoka walks in mm. on Rex receiving his orders. Mm -hmm. And now that we got that music, best, best car for Outer Rim... Who is in the core mm. doing his darndest to win that best, best car across mm. the galaxy? Yep. His menace can be felt through the entire episode. He's the reason the clones turn on the Jedi. You guessed it. Former Chancellor, now Emperor Sheev Sidious Palpatine is the winner this week. And we are not happy about it. Uh-uh. Nope. His grand plan has succeeded by turning Anakin and having all of his chess pieces in place, Palpy rocks the galaxy's world, just crushing democracy in one fell swoop. Mm. He has the most yep. experienced Jedi out in the Outer Rim, far away from the temple, far away from anybody who could help them. He removed both Rex and Ahsoka, effectively taking Anakin's two best friends out of the equation. And he thought he had Ahsoka off the board earlier. So I'll bet he was really delighted to see her heading off to Mandalore to join the fray instead yeah. of staying behind and whispering truths into Anakin's ear. Or to protect him, frankly, or to protect whether him. or not he'll listen to the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or just to be there and be like, stopping a moron. That, yeah. And that could have solved a lot of things if Ahsoka had told him not to be an idiot. Palpy also turned Maul basically into like this murderous smokescreen. He really has Maul leaning into that dictator gangster vibe, making sure nobody would trust him. If he decided to speak out as he Absolutely. as he tried to with Ahsoka. Like we we're wonder we here at BGS wonder why Palpy didn't bother killing Maul after defeating him the first time in season five on Mandalore. But frankly, he just didn't see his former pupil as a threat any longer. 
And Maul is taken off the board when he's captured by Ahsoka. So that's just like another check mark for Palpy. Just have Rex go execute him. Uh, everything would be fine. Yeah, his grocery, his like errand list yep. is just being handled. Check, check, <laughs> check, check. Yeah, that would totally suffice if Rex just goes and kills him. That's just another person who's gone. This, though, we think must come back to haunt Palpy and Vader a smidge because Crimson Dawn is active during the Imperial era. And the Inquisitors are eventually sent to hunt Ma- Maul down. So it's not like he's just chilling in the galaxy, not doing anything. Maul is going to come head to head with them at least a couple times. Next, Maul says it best, quote, he turned the Jedi's own army against them. Undeniably <laughs> true. He deployed the clones against their generals and not just their generals, their friends. Like, these are their friends. He eliminates pretty much most of the Jedi here with just this tactic. Like, and seriously, 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 the Jedi had no fucking clue what was coming. Nothing. None of them sense it except Yoda at the very last possible second. Like rewatching Revenge of the Sith, we noticed how truly blind they were to all of Palpy's machinations. They're leading their men into battle as though nothing has changed. And when the switch is flipped, the results are just heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Mm. And then what's our last reason why he's the winner? Mm-hmm. This one, we actually really needed a couple of those beginning arcs in the, se- in the season. He successfully made the Jedi the face of the war instead of himself, which turned yep. the populace of the galaxy against them. And Which, again, mm-hmm. was revealed with the Martez mm-hmm. sisters. We see you, Dave Filoni, making that walkabout <laughs> arc come into play. <laughs> We've been primed by that arc that the masses do not trust the Jedi, and they see them as this corrupt police force or a corrupt military force. Like, n- notice that nobody seems too fussed when all the Jedi are wiped out at the temple? Except for Bail Organa, who just happened to be there because he's has Jedi friends and he's concerned about it. Like, yes, the ordinary citizens are going to want to stay away from fires and explosions and blaster shots. But in one of the Vader Dark Lord of the Sith comics, there is a mob watching them lob huge baskets of lightsabers into a giant furnace and they're cheering. Like, dark fucking times. So again, like like before when my own inhibitor chip was running, <laughs> all hail the glorious emperor, long may he reign, too soon, I would say. So instead of activating again, let's move into that master and apprentice section to finally dive into that delicious question that we had kind of teased out. And so the first question is, what is the language and or languages that droids speak and who can understand the language? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got droids like C-3PO who can speak millions of languages because they've been pro- programmed to do so. They usually speak basic, which is English to us. But most of the droids communicate with that really adorable series of like beeps and boops and little dashes here and there. Yeah. And other basically non-languagey sounds. And this droid language is called binary. There's this kind of fun quote that I found. It says, quote, We droids think in binary. One and zero. On and off. Yes and no. This gives us clarity. Makes us happy. Things are either real or not real. Known or not known. A thinking individual is either an organic or a droid. Simple, right? 
And this quote it. comes from Zeta, a construction droid. We at BGS don't believe that droids are simple. Yep. Not at all. We know that they are sentient. But the language is derived from that simple one zero code. Even though it's fairly simple code, it's very difficult for organics to understand. Yeah. And here are some of our faves who, like Ahsoka, can understand mm-hmm. their droid compatriots. We've got mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker, who, not surprisingly, considering he spent much of his youth rebuilding and repairing droids. We've got mm-hmm. Harrison Dula, long may mm-hmm. she reign, and her mm-hmm. BFF Chopper, who appreciates this. We've got Ray and Poe, who can easily understand and defend BB-8 in the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy. We've yep. got Ezra and Luke, who both learn to understand binary by listening to Chopper and R2-D2, respectively. We've got mm-hmm. Sabine Wren, who can also speak binary, learning at the, yikes, Imperial <laughs> Academy. We've <Oops>. got <laughs> Kel Kytus from the Jedi Fallen Order video game. And Kanan Jarrus can also get, like, just the gist of what Chopper says, though he doesn't have a complete understanding. So, yeah, let's give it up for these droid-conscious, or at least droid-understanding pioneers. Darn right. Moving on to our second question. Colleen, do you want to take this one? Yes, this one. Our good friend Sloan. She's fantastic. She provides not only questions, but really hysterical commentary on everything Star Wars. She wants to know, basically every time we talk, why the hell no one communicates in this damn galaxy? Because Darth Plotius is too busy doing what it does. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Nobody's talking. There's no follow-up on any of the important shit that goes down. Like, zero. What is happening? Where are the memos? One thing we know about the Imperials is they know how to yeah. do some memos. They know how to do the communication bureaucracy thing. Maybe that's what Pelpy was good at and the Jedi yep. just kind of sucked at it. I guess this connects really nicely with our little sliding doors theme. Like a lot of the what ifs in this episode especially stem from lack of communication between the characters. Especially around that Jedi council table. Be honest, yep. people. What the hell? Keeping back important intel is one way that the good guys end up losing. Just be honest. Nope. Can't do that. I mean, there is one point, because I was doing a rewatch of Clone Wars for this episode, where Yoda does actually ask Anakin a pertinent question about one of his experiences. And this was on Mortis. And Yoda, because of course it's something that Yoda has to go do. That's the only reason he's asking Anakin about this in season six so at least we know that there was some kind of report about the mortis like misadventure but apparently nobody was too concerned that both anakin and obi-wan spoke with qui-gon Jin, or if it was a force ghost or if it was something else or that there were these like three uber powerful force users just chilling on a planet You know, with the power to destroy the galaxy. They're just out there. Nobody seems alarmed. Like, where was the psych follow-up for Anakin Obi-Wan? Where was the mandatory benching for intense therapy for Ahsoka, who died (laughs) and was brought back to life by these uber-powerful force users? Where is the concussion protocol? Nothing at all. Nothing. (laughs) 
No, they don't have any shrinks. I don't know what to tell you. A psychiatrist could make bank in the Jedi Temple. Yes. <laughs> Why don't we get into our third so. question, which is how in the world are Rex, Ahsoka, and Maul going to escape since they're all in Rebels? Ooh, there we go. So back to our just rising list of complaints. Let's go back to Rex's complaint report. Like, who the hell saw it? Why was nothing done about it? Where was the investigation into this? Like, they were super quick to start throwing Ahsoka under the bus for the Mm. temple bombing back in season five. But nothing for the Kaminoans about the inhibitor chips? Just no follow-up? Where was their show trial? Like, that Ahsoka got? Mm Mm-hmm. Did all of the, like... Because because show fans right. would have loved that, right? <laughs> Nothing like a trial. Nothing like another trial. <laughs> hey, if, if it had taken down Nalase and the corrupt Kaminoans, I would have been fine with that. But, like... Ugh. Yeah, see, what I want is more information and Senate Galactic yes. proceedings mm-hmm. for this kid's show. I That's what I want. also more of that. <laughs> Let's deregulate the bank some more. <laughs> this is fine. But, like, this was just so frustrating because it makes you wonder... Did all of the clones' reports fall on deaf ears? Like, what happened with the Pong Krell incident? What happened there? Were they like, oh, I wonder if there are other rogue Jedi out there? Just nothing? Nothing? Like, one theory is that Palpatine purposefully hid Rex's report, or that the Kaminoans themselves found out about the report and found a way to make it difficult to access. Like, it was closed. Ahsoka had to use Anakin's personal pin to get into it, since, like, if nobody could get into it, maybe nobody heard it, blah, 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 the list goes on. So, even if communication is attempted, I guess the lesson is that it often fails. So I guess, why try, right? (sighs) Once again, you're trying to trick me. No spoilers for episode 12. (laughs) No spoilers. Okay. So we know that Ahsoka, Maul, and Rex survive this tragedy. But what about the other clones? Like, we saw Jesse in this episode for a very brief moment in his Arc Trooper armor. So he's recovered from Maul's mental assault. And we have no doubt that he's going to try and eliminate Ahsoka at all costs. It comes back around to season six with that episode with Top and Fives. And I'm kind of pivoting away from the original question, but this part is really important to remember for the end here that we're coming to. This was actually said by Tup, and Five said almost the exact same thing when he is killed at the end of his arc in season six. Quote, the mission, the one in our dreams that never ends, the nightmare, I'm free. And like... Was this an ongoing nightmare supplied by the inhibitor chips showing the clones killing their generals over and over again? Were they kind of aware that something like this could happen? And if you think back watching the entire Clone Wars series, there were moments that foreshadow what happened in this episode. Even way back in season two, episode eight, we get this really nice foreshadowing from Clone Trooper Edge when he gets infected by Barriss's brainworms. That are the constant source of, but what about the brain worms? Did something go horribly wrong with the brain worms? Once again, the communication, the follow-up is anybody checking on people that were infected with the brain worms. 
quote from Edge, if it's one thing we clones know, it's how to stop a Jedi. So the er, the brainworm found the damn chip way faster <laughs> than poor R7 and Ahsoka in this episode. But this just primes us for, like, they've been warning us this entire time. And we knew it was coming because of Revenge of the Sith. But the build just of this entire season has been to this moment. When Maul said last episode, every choice decision you've made has brought you to this moment it's like yep here we go here we go folks this is the end of Clone yeah Wars. and just imagine like obviously th- this is not the galaxy we live in right but like imagine if we were only here and didn't have any of the movies what what a wild mm-hmm. ride that would be and colleen speaking mm. of wild ride let's take <laughs> one more quick look at dangerous mm-hmm. snack mall Because, you know, not to belabor the point, one of the things you were kind of curious about is whether or not our main man, Maul, could have been able to Mm -hmm. escape the sarcophagus without Ahsoka's Mm -hmm. help. Um, Like, should she have let him out to cause that mayhem? So Mm -hmm. what do you think, Colleen? (laughs) Could he have and should she have? It's really hard to say. I mean, I've I've seen the next episode, and I've seen them in Rebels. Um, throughout the episode, we noticed that Maul was sometimes trying to use the Force within the box, or even just, like, trying to move at all in there. He closes his eyes a couple times. He's focusing on Ahsoka. One time when they're heading to the Venator ship to head toward Coruscant, like, perhaps he's trying to communicate with her. He's trying to connect with the Force-sensitive person that he knows is nearby. Like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> knock, knock with the like, Force. Like, this is bad. Knock, knock. <laughs> Yeah, this is bad. We, we, gotta get, we gotta get out of here, Ahsoka. And she does seem to notice that something is happening, because she keeps looking at him like, what the fuck? Like, is he picking at her brain here? But she still doesn't do anything. She just is like, mm-hmm. he's probably just trying to pitch me the evil again, and I don't want to hear about it. He looks right. really panicked when the clones start to open his box to execute him. Like, he's stretching against his bonds. He looks like he just wants to start up another monologue. But if the box Mm -hmm. is meant to keep his power under control, and it looks like it's working, it's highly doubtful that he would have survived the execution if Ahsoka hadn't shown up. I I agree with you. I I agree kind of like with the, like, could the clones Mm -hmm. escape the power of the chip? I feel it's very parallel Mm -hmm. to the sarcophagus here because it's kind of like, okay, maybe somebody could, but like, let's at least appreciate the creators who say, no, this is a very dangerous, Mm -hmm. very serious item. And if someone like Maul can't escape, that only makes you truly appreciate Mm -hmm. the power of the item more and to me, at least, allows it to have that potency yes. and danger here. Otherwise, yeah. it's just kind of like right. a yeah, throwaway. Yeah, it was like you're fucked, dude. And he does seem to appreciate when Ahsoka shows up and rescues him. One of our favorite yeah. parts was Maul because this is just his freaking mo. He tries to assert dominance over Ahsoka after she rescues him. Like he's like, not he, today. Yeah, not today. He's a lot gentler than with his usual efforts. Like he doesn't try and beat her up or anything, or even like verbally, he's not really trying to overpower her here. Yeah. But still, Ahsoka knows exactly what he's doing. He says, quote, You've done the right thing by coming to me. Only together can we survive this. Like, just a little bit of condescension masked in a semi compliment. 
Yeah, dude, we I just let you yeah. out. Sit down. And you're already starting to talk at me. Like, I knew I should have <laughs> left that gag in. Like, don't make me regret this. Instantly she regrets this. He does stress that quote unquote together part. Like he's not actually saying me plus you. He's saying together, which is kind of signaling that he's ready for this little dynamic duo to make their escape. But yeah. then he says that she should follow him. And I just cackled out loud when he did this. <laughs> Thankfully, breaking that tension a little bit. I really needed that breather. Absolutely. Um, Ahsoka's just like, in that moment, you've got to be kidding me with this shit again. Yeah. It's like people Look. who do sales pitches at parties. Yes. Not yeah. not a good time. Not today. Not a great time. Not today, please. And should she have let him out? Probably not. <laughs> but he will be a great distraction while she, because she's still looking for a way to save Rex at this point. She's not just right. looking for the wrecking ball way into the hangar to escape. She needs to get Rex. But wouldn't it have been a little more prudent to keep Maul near her where she could watch him? Like, yes, divide and conquer is all well and good. But he is conquering way too quickly. And he's way <laughs> wilier than she gives him credit for. So we'll just have to see how this shakes out next episode. Yeah, and especially with his eyes, it was very, like, we both are cat owners. Yes. He's very cat-like yes. here with, like, the gleamy little eyes and the, like, don't you dare hold me too tightly and then once I get out, mayhem. Yep. And so, speaking of that, one of the cool things that I noticed mm. that is totally just a pure little tinfoil headcanon thing is I think if you watch at minute 18 mm -hmm. when he's doing that destruction in the hallway, I saw, okay, so... He, he like whooshes some of the metal door or the metal wall mm -hmm. to him, uses it as shield, and then crumples two of the electronic panels mm -hmm. to gently maim some <laughs> of the clone troopers who are after him. And I noticed, so first of all, the blaster fire was blue from the clones. Mm -hmm. Colleen, is that normal? No. Usually it's red. I mean, usually blue is like the stunning. Some blasters have different kind of firing colors but we're used to seeing like yeah. red or kind of like goldish yellow color which means that it's set to kill or at least yeah to, it's not at maybe the highest setting but it's set to not stun yeah and it could have been just like a visual thing where they wanted the blue against the red but it was just an interesting detail that you noticed and and then on top of that so not only the blaster fire which then indicates probably they're trying to stun maul which is hilarious yeah. like I, I would like to stun maul as well <laughs> yes we would <laughs> but also when maul was doing that force wielding it's frankly unclear to me even on the rewatch there's an argument i would say that the blue kind of subdued almost crackling mm -hmm. was just the electricity and the metal walls mm -hmm. kind of being erratic but because you know from earlier episodes i'm a fan of that nut lightning and i'm sometimes a fan of giving maul a little bit more leniency than i would if he was in the real world i wonder if in some magical way that was him actually using force lightning mm -hmm. because if you look at it and please do listeners around minute 18 you see at least three instances where i think one could argue maul is technically using a very controlled blue lightning and so sure could it have just been a visual effect most likely yes 
But we here at BGS aren't just here for the most likely yes. We like to probe a little bit deeper. Especially with Maul. Yeah. And so I am now going to rush off, speaking of seeing Maul, to see that final climax so that we can join again together next week to geek out together about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 12, mm. that sweet, sweet, horrible, horrible, <laughs> sweet, sweet conclusion mm. to Star Wars Clone Wars. Mm. And, Colleen, until then, mm. what should listeners be doing besides mm. checking out our Matilda episodes? Oh, yes. Keep letting other awesome geeks who love exploring Star Wars know about BGS. Know that they can find us wherever they enjoy their podcasts. You can also send us your questions that you want answered on the last Master and Apprentice section, or just even if you have like a cool little Star Wars tidbit that you think we should include by emailing us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. You can also follow us and reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. And you know, just get deeper involved in our shared geeky community in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. So thank you so very much. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Star Wars, this is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Season 7. Star Wars, this was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, Episode 11. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Sobs. <laughs>